Likutei Sichos, Chelik Yud, Volume 10, the second Sicha for Parshas Vayishlach. This is a Rashi Sicha, and it's based on the Psukim in Chapter 36, Vav, Zion, and Ches, 6, 7, and 8. And I would suggest, first and foremost, to go over those Psukim, to review them with the Rashi, so you have a better appreciation and are better able to follow the Sicha as we go along. In the course of the Sicha, we will enjoy an emphasis on several Kloli Rashi, which we are well familiar with, and they will come up in the course of the Sicha. Also, I have to tell you, it's not a difficult Sicha. It's actually a very logical one. And in fact, I think we will get a better appreciation as to the commonsensical logic that plays a definitive role in the course of Pshuti Shalmikra and how Rashi presents his Pirush whether, for example, he inserts a medrash or so on, and how that applies to the actual logic of the Pshutish of and Mikra. It's not a difficult sicha. It just you have to pay attention to the details. that go a little back and forth, but I'm telling you it's a pretty easy to understand. I just want to take a moment to quickly review the psukim, which pertain to the sicha. Pasuk Vav says, Esav took his wife, his wife, his sons, his daughters, all the, all the slaves, and all miknehu, this is a key word in the Sicha, miknehu typically means his livestock, or can also mean all his acquisitions, and all his cattle, and everything that he acquired while he was in Canaan, and he went away to a land, meaning to wherever he will find a place to settle down, because of his brother Yaakov. In Pasuk Zion, seventh Pasuk, it says the reason for this. Because their property was so plentiful from being able to sit together, to dwell together, that is, and the land could not, losses, could not carry, could not suffice because of their miknehem, because of their acquisitions or livestock. We'll see in Rashi what that means. And then in Pasuk Ches, the eighth Pasuk, it says, and Esav settled down in the Mount Seir, and Esav is Edoin. Let's go into the Sicha. So the Rebbe says in the beginning of our, in our Pasha, it is related how Esav took his wives, as we just read, and he went away to the land because of Yaakov, his brother. And in the next Pasuk, it explains the reason. Because their possessions were so overwhelming that they could not dwell together, and the land could not suffice, could not carry them. Now Rashi, on Pasuk Zion, Rashi quotes the words. The heading of Rashi is, Veloi yochlo eretz That the land of their dwelling could not. And he explains, what could it not? It was not able to provide, to suffice the mir'e, the pasture, for their behemois, for their animals. So he narrows down their acquisitions, their properties, he narrows it down to the behemois. That is the reason why Esau left. And then Rashi continues, that the Medrash says, why is it that Rashi left? Because of the debt. You see, there's a debt that this family is, uh, is due to pay. And that debt is the Brisbane Habesorim, which 
HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Abishter made with Avram many years prior to this, in which he said that your descendants will be strangers in a land that's not theirs. So Esau said, I want nothing with this debt. I don't want the gifts that come with it, meaning the gift of having Eretz Yisrael, and I don't want the problems that come with it. And then Rashi adds that it's also because of the busha, the embarrassment that Esau had all these years, the fact that he sold, that he relinquished the Bechera, the firstborn hood that he really rightfully had. He was the firstborn, and he had given it up to Yaakov. Now, according to some Mepharshim, why does Rashi have to explain this? Because Rashi is explaining what the word what the Pasuk means with saying that the land could not carry them, the land could not suffice for them. So Rashi wants to point out that what it means by it couldn't carry them, it couldn't suffice them, that it means that it could not provide enough pasture, enough feed for the animals. But the Rebbe has several questions on this, no less than four questions. Number one, if that was the objective of Rashi, then he should have actually quoted these words in the Pasuk, which not the words that he quoted, that but he should have quoted the words that he should have actually quoted those words in the Pasuk, which according to these Mepharshim, he's explaining. Quote, that, he could, that it couldn't carry them, explaining what it means to carry them. But yet, what does Rashi quote? What does Rashi seem to be explaining? What does it mean that the land of their dwelling could not? There was something here that the land could not do for them. Number two, what really is Rashi explaining to us that we don't know already? Already in Parshish Lech Lecha, where it described the whole debate, the struggle between the shepherds of Avram and Lot, it uses a very similar expression. It says, The land did not carry them to be together. And there Rashi already explained what it means. What it means that the land cannot carry them. That it means that they cannot, it, the land was not able to provide an ample enough um, pasture for all their cattle, all their sheep. And there's a rule, by the way, in Rashi, that once he explains something, especially if it's in the same Chumash, he won't explain it again. So if that's his objective, it would seem obvious that he doesn't have to restate it here. Number three, it seems that Rashi, it changes slightly, but it's not a slight change, it's a big change from what the Pasuk says. The Pasuk says it cannot carry them, it cannot tolerate them, because of their miknehem, which it could mean all their possessions, all their acquisitions. Why does Rashi change that to Dot? Because of their behemoths, because of their livestock. Now, if one would argue that Rashi is merely coming to explain to us what Mikneya means, we already have had it many times before, and always it was very obvious what Mikneya means. That it means it's a direct reference to livestock, to animals that they owned. So why would he feel a necessity to repeat it over here? And number four, that why is it that Rashi adds a medrash? We know a rule that the only time Rashi adds a medrash and a goda is when the shute shemikra, the actual simple explanation of the pasuk, doesn't suffice. What isn't sufficient over here? Why is it that Rashi 
adds and it has to explain something based on the Medrash. Now, in chapter 2, the Rebbe takes a closer look at the Medrash itself that Rashi brings. And he says, in this we also need to understand. Again, number one, Rashi himself clearly states the objective of his Pirush. And he says, That my only objective, my only purpose is to explain the Pshutish Mikra. And Rashi even tells us that when he does present a Medrash, when he does inject a Medrash, that's only if the Medrash follows and helps enhance the Pshutish Mikra. Okay? But over here, it seems that the Medrash changes from what the Pasik says. The Pasik tells us that the reason is because the land could not tolerate them. The land could not handle all their livestock, as Rashi explained. And yet, what does Rashi bring? A Medrash which says that it has to do with a debt, it has to do with a promise to Avram, it has to do with the embarrassment that Esav had because he sold the Bechayda. That seems to change. It doesn't go along with the Pshutish Mikra, but it actually changes the Pshutish Mikra. And another question. Rashi, the way he brings the Medrash, it seems to flow together. It seems to be two reasons for why Esav left. Number one, because of this debt. And number two, because of the Busha, because of the embarrassment. In the actual Medrash itself, the Medrash presents as an alternative Pirush, as a Yesh Oimrim, as another suggestion. And yet Rashi seems to sandwich them together and bring it as two reasons for the same thing. Why did Rashi change that? In other words, it's obvious for the way Rashi presents it that this is crucial to Pshutesh Mikra. How is it? And number three, since Rashi does not suffice with the first reason of the Medrash, namely because of the debt, and he brings the second, uh, the second uh, uh, pirush, which is because of the embarrassment. He brings it as a second one, even though he brings it in the same in the chorus. It's flowing together. It would seem that the main reason is the first one, right? And that's why the order of priority. And this is the second one. Why? Why would this be a secondary one to that one? Why is that the main reason? And a fourth question that Eber asks: If indeed. The reason is because of this quote-unquote debt that Esav is refusing to be part of, meaning he doesn't want to be part of the uh, inheritance of Eretz Yisrael, thus not having to pay this debt of being a stranger in a land that's not theirs. Why did he wait till now? So many years passed since then. So many years passed. Why now? What happened now that suddenly Esav decided, you know what, it's time to free myself of this chains of this debt. And another question, Rashi in his explanation, when he brings the Medrash, he, as an introduction, he quotes from a previous Pasuk, from Pasuk, hey, which says, from Pasuk, um, sorry, from Pasuk uh, Vav, which says, because of Yaakov, his brother. He is now explaining a Rash, uh, uh, words in Pasuk Zion, and yet, he refers back to Pasik Vav and he quotes the words Yaakov Achiv. I mean, if those words needed to be explained, why didn't he explain it before? It's obvious that before it was clear. Now suddenly it became unclear. Why is that? Another question. Moreover, it would seem 
that if you say that he left because of his brother Yaakov, that seems to contradict this notion that the Medrash gives, namely that it's because of the promise that was made to Avram because of, quote-unquote, the debt that Avram was told about. Right? It seems that it's, um, it's, it's exclusively because of something to do with Yaakov, not something to do with the whole entire family, Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Incidentally, we know that this debt, the clock on the payment of this debt, began to tick by the birth of Yitzchak. So, so, so what's going on over here? So in chapter 3, the Rebbe begins to explain, and he puts everything into motion. And he says, number one, the Pasuk tells us that Esau took all of his things, all of his possessions, his family, everything he owned. And what does it tell us? It tells us why. Because their rechush, their possessions, were so plentiful that they could just, just not sit together. And it tells us, these are the possessions that they acquired, that they bought in Canaan. Now, when the Pasuk tells us that the reason for their leaving, for his leaving, for his departure, is because of all the miknehem, because of all the possessions, it would seem that it's telling us that all of the possessions that were mentioned, the livestock, the servants, the slaves, everything that he owned, right? And then the question would become, in other words, in Shudi Shemikra, it wouldn't make sense. One second. We know that Eretz Yisrael was blessed with abundance. If you go back just two chapters, if you go back to chapter 34, in Pasuk Chaf Aleph, Pasuk 21, over there when Shechem and Chamor are talking to the people and trying to convince them why Yaakov and his son's presence should not be a nuisance to them and why they should accept them and embrace them with open arms, he says, We got such a broad and spacious land and there's enough room for everyone and all their cattle and all their sheep and everything. And suddenly here, the Pasuk seems to tell us, no, there's not enough space to just hold all their possessions, to just, you know, tolerate just the enormity, so to speak, the weight of all their possessions. And another thing, in Pshudish Mikra, there is absolutely no indication that Yaakov, some, for, for whatever reason, tried to push Esav away and say, look, there's no space. Remember, by Avram and Lloyd, there was an argument. There was some kind of struggle there. So somebody had to go. What happened over here? Why suddenly? That's what prompted Rashi to explain. Remember the question we asked, why does he need to explain something that seems to be obvious? Because it's not obvious. This is what prompted Rashi to tell us that this wasn't a spatial issue. This wasn't an issue of territory. Is there enough territory to handle all their possessions and all the goodies that they own? Rather, this is an issue of pasture. So even if the land is spacious, there could possibly be a scenario where there's enough space for all of them to live. There's enough store, storage space to handle all their possessions, but yet there's not enough pasture being reproduced in the land in order for to... Uh, in order for them to be able to stay there and feed all their cattle and so and, and, and livestock. And this is why Rashi explained that what does it mean that it couldn't tolerate it, that it didn't provide enough pasture. And this actually begins to set the logic as to why Esau had to leave. This is part of Rashi trying to tell us. You see, both of them now had a lot of possessions. Both of them owned a lot of livestock and cattle. 
But it's certain that Yaakov owned more. It's certain that Yaakov had a lot more than Esau. Because if you recall, the Pasuk tells us that when Yaakov came back from Lavan, when he came from Haran, he came with a tremendous amount of sheep and camels and everything else. Esau was an Ishsada, was a man of the field. He wasn't in the business of owning livestock and so on. He was in the business of running around. Now, after settling down near his brother Yaakov, he began to acquire, he began to purchase livestock and possessions. So if anything, who has the priority of staying in the land? And who, so to speak, has rights to the land? It's Yaakov. It's Yaakov. Okay? Therefore, we can begin to understand the logic over here, why Esau had to leave. Why Esau had to go. And that's what Rashi is pointing out in the first phase of the Rashi. So then why the Medrash? Why bring the second part of Rashi? Because there's still something very problematic here. We all know Esau. We don't know him to be such a righteous person, such a justified person, a person who does the right thing. Namely, Yaakov, as we just said, has priority by the virtue of the fact that he has more possessions. He's the one who needs the feed more than Esau. And he was there, so to speak, first with all the feed. But we don't know Esau to be this guy who's going to budge, who's going to relinquish, so to speak, what he feels is his rights because of Yosher, because of doing the right thing. That's why Rashi needs to also bring the Medrash. That's why he brings the Medrash, and that's why he introduces the words that he went, that he left because of Yaakov, his brother. It wasn't only because of the pasture. It was because of this shtar choiv, the debt, and because of the embarrassment of having sold his bechayra. You see, Esau had these reasons all along. Esau knew all along that he was uncomfortable. Esau, you know, didn't like the fact that somebody in this family has to pay a debt. But until some reason came up, where there became now, so to speak, a, 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 um, a, a, uh, a moment of, you know, decision-making, okay? It became like a referendum. Who's going to go? Who is going to pick up and leave? Now, as they're being prompted to make this decision, is it Yaakov who's going to leave? Is it Esau who's going to leave? These reasons that all along were on Esau's minds, that mind, they came to play. They came into play. And that's why Rashi brings the Medrash. And from this we can appreciate, the Medrash doesn't change the Pshutish Amikah. You remember the question we asked, the, the Medrash doesn't seem to go alongside the Pshat and the Pasuk. The Pasuk gives us a reason. The Medrash actually does give us a reason that is consistent with the Pasuk. The trigger for this referendum, the trigger for this decision-making at this juncture in time was because there wasn't enough pasture. But why is it Esau, who is not the good guy on a typical day, why is it he who chooses to pick up and leave and allow Yaakov to just stay there because he had other reasons that would influence his decision-making and it influenced him to say, you know what, I don't want any part of this, let me get out of here. And this also explains why Esau waited all, all this time. Until now, it wasn't clear. Are they both going to have to 
quote-unquote paid his debt? Are they both going to have to carry the burden of being strangers in a land that's not theirs? Or is it going to be only one of them? Now that this came to play, that Esau or Yaakov, one of the two has to leave because they just cannot remain there together. They cannot stay there because it's just, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an existential question. They cannot survive. This is where Esau realized, you know something? I have good reason to leave. Let me get out of there. Let me just leave and let Yaakov stay with this, with this um, debt. And besides, I have the busha. The question still remains, why bring that second reason of the busha of the embarrassment? Remember, we asked that in the Medrash, it seems to be an alternative reason. Rashi brings it as a second re- secondary reason, but part of the reason why Esau left. And the answer is, because because there still remains an issue here. We know Esau's character. We know that Esau is not a guy to give in to Yaakov. Esau is not a guy to just fold and just say, okay, you know what? You have it. Let me go. In other words, Esau, as much as he didn't want to be part of that debt, still it doesn't seem compelling enough for him to go against his own character and against his own track record of being the stoic one, of being the stubborn one, and allowing Yaakov to just stay there in comfort while he is now going to wander and look for a place to settle. And this is why Rashi puts that also in. That because of the busha, which all along he had, he had this busha, he had his embarrassment all along. But now when all these reasons come to play, and now it's like a showdown, it's a referendum on this, okay, who's staying here and who's leaving? This is when Esau really realized, you know something? I think I'm going to go. I'm just all along, his presence in Eretz Yisrael was not a comfortable one. And therefore, Esau was the one who picked up and left. And one more point that the Rebbe clarifies, still the question is, how is Esau's leaving now taking away from him this burden of this debt? In other words, think about it. The virtue of what he's doing seems to be consistent with paying this debt. Is he not going to wander? Is he not going to be a stranger? Is he not going to be now a foreigner in some land where he's just going to stop and settle down? And that's why the Pasuk, if you look in Pasuk Ches, Pasuk 8, verse 8, it says, Vayeshev Esav. It uses the term of settling down. Esav settled down in Harseir. So the virtue of the fact that he settled down tells us that he totally shook off of himself any whatsoever connection, any whatsoever remnant of these chains of this debt. And he left it solely for Yaakov. And this shows us the beautiful logic of how Rashi puts everything together and how everything makes sense. And the Rebbe concludes with an amazing hoirah, an amazing directive. And he tells us the attitude that a Yid has to have while living in Golis. As long as we're in Golis and we are essentially experiencing paying this debt of Geir Yi Yezaracha, that Hashem said to Avram, your descendants will be foreigners in a land that's not theirs. And it doesn't only necessarily mean Mitzrayim. That was only one stop. 
throughout the entire Golos until such time that Mashiach comes, and we will all settle down for good, we're all in one way or another paying that debt. What is our attitude? Don't do what Esau did. Don't settle down. Don't enjoy Golos. Golos and everything that's there. Live like Yaakov. Yes, he owned property. He had businesses. He had his family. He set up houses. But he was there at the end of the day like a stranger, like a foreigner. He knew this is not the ultimate settlement. Don't get comfortable in Golos. If I had to summarize the Sicha, the Hira from the Sicha, that's what the Rebbe is telling us. Don't get too comfortable here. 